What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi. Today is Thursday, February the 9th, and you are listening to episode number 49. This is actually the second episode number 49 that I'm doing. I literally did a, a really good podcast last week for you guys. I, I thought it was a really good show. I talked about a lot of things. And then when I ran through it to see how it sounded, I realized that I did not have my new microphone system um, built in. I didn't have it activated. So I was basically uh, talking shit and it had the shitty buzz and I just didn't want to do it. And then a lot of stuff had happened. Uh, you know, and I realized, you know what, I will do a, uh, another one, another for episode 49 and, uh, kind of put everything that I put in the first one in this along with some other stuff. So that, that's what happened. And, um, sorry about that. Sorry for the week off. Hopefully you caught up on other Verzi effect episodes. And, uh, so away we go here. Um, so I guess I have to go back now uh, a little bit and uh, talk about performing at State College. Uh, I want to thank everybody uh, who came out to State College, uh, you know, right near right near the Penn State campus uh, to Wisecrackers Comedy Club out there. Um, and, uh, you know, the people you could tell in the community are really hurting with what's going on. Uh, as I talked about before, my luck performing out there. Uh, um a day after this beautiful memorial that they had for Joe Paterno, who basically built the town. I mean, I learned a lot from the, I learned a lot from being out there and realized that this place was just some cow country little college that had no big buildings in it, no big institutions for, for, it was just, you know, it wasn't even big. It wasn't big with sports. And the guy and his wife raised money and built the fucking place. Um, and the people in the community were really hurting what I was really happy. And, uh, you know, surprised about, to be honest, was the, the amount of people that came out to the comedy club, so thank you, I mean, uh, Friday night was three quarters full, Saturday night first show was sold out with all law enforcement people, uh, who happened to be literally just the most polite, just the nicest, you know, politest people in, you know, law enforcement, they weren't dicks, they were happy to be there, you could tell there was appreciation that they had for comedians who came from, from New York City or the New York area uh, all the way out there. They, you know, they re it really meant a lot to them, and uh, it was awesome. And then the third show, which was the second show Saturday, they were a little drunker, but they were that was almost three-quarters full. So, um, And you could really tell, uh, you could really tell as the comic that these people are hurting there because of what went on in the community. Um, and, and they were just thankful to be entertained and be taken away from it. So it was really, really cool. Um, you know, I was out there with, uh, Kyle Grooms and Ellen Karras and we had a really good time. Um, except for the shithole, oh, the absolute shithole hotel they kept us in. And I passed, we passed like all these nice Marriott's and courtyards and we stayed at this place called the Autoport, which has this unbelievably good, um, restaurant in there. And they have all, there's like no preservatives in their food. They get it from a local farm. All the meat's great. But these rooms are like 1985 looking. I wouldn't even fucking kill myself in one of these rooms. That's how shitty it was. That suicide was better. Was too good for this fucking room. And uh, it's funny. I was in there and I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to spend the money to just go across the street 
you know, to the Ramada Inn or something just better. And I was about to do that. And then I get into this huge argument on the phone with Bill Burr about who's better, Joe Montana or Tom Brady. I was saying Tom Brady because Tom Brady never had the weapons Montana had. He was calling me nuts. So we get into this screaming argument and it ends up that I just end up sleeping in the place and say, all right, I'm going to save money anyway. So maybe that argument I had with him saved me some money. But what a shithole. I shit on the place on stage a ton. And uh, people apparently got a kick out of it because they know that it's not the nicest hotel. Uh, at one point, I was like, I have to stop doing this because the owner was in the back going. Or the owner's brother was like, dude, are you sure you're all right with everything here? And I'm like, yeah, no, dude, I'm just, you know. <laughs> uh, the club is really nice, you know. Wisecrackers Comedy Club. If you're in the State College area, you know, go to it. But the, I thought the hotel was a shithole, and I said it. Uh, a bunch. I said it, I think, almost every show all the time. Uh, and listen, I'm not a prima donna, but you know what? I've been doing this long enough. I just like, like, I didn't shower there. I showered Friday before I left, and then I got to the hotel, and I did not shower because I didn't want to put my fucking feet in there on Saturday. And then when I got home on Sunday, I showered. So I skipped a day of showering because I wouldn't shower in this shit hole. And the place was clean. It just looked like some shit went on there. You know, it was just, I didn't, I didn't like it. Um, <laughs> but other than that, thanks everybody who, who came out and, um, you know, I learned something. Um, I learned some inside information about the, the whole thing that, you know, that made me feel better about Joe Paterno. Um, you know, just that, you know, I was talking to a baseball player that was on the campus there that knew Paterno and met that monster Sandusky who's a dis fucking despicable, that guy should be shot in his face uh, on TV just so people know that's the shit you can't do. I hope that guy gets a million years in jail, and I hope he gets ass-raped every day by some big fucking dude who just makes him his bitch. That's what I... That, like, so Michael K. said not enough bad things could happen to that guy, and he's absolutely right. He's the fucking worst. But I found out that Joe Paterno and Sandusky were not that close and good of friends, really, at all. And once that, you know, they heard something going on, they didn't allow Sandusky or any of his students to be on the campus. Um, now maybe he still could have done more, but that made me feel at least a little better about Paterno. And, and, and from what I've heard from locals there, uh, what, and this is just from what I heard and the way that I interpret it and the way that people were saying it is that even though Paterno himself was upset and realized that he should have done more to say, oh, he's just as guilty from what I heard was not the case at all. And, uh, made me feel good. But sad thing was I didn't go to his statue. Um, because God forbid that little chance he was guilty of something I wouldn't want to be. And how sad is that? And even though I don't believe that, and plus I was a little lazy, I wasn't going to go to the statue anyway, but part of it was like, imagine if like he was just, you know, just looked the other way and turn the other cheek and like, am I taking a picture? It is just a sad thing to even have to think about. But, um, anyway, it was, it was a great time. And I would suggest anybody to go out there because I think the people there are, are were wonderful people. And, uh, that was great. So, uh, now here's where I'm going to add on from things that I didn't talk about, uh, last week, um, was when I came home, I had a, uh, and I mentioned this on the last podcast, I had some big stuff going on in, in my comedy career, um, where I had a big audition for the Montreal Comedy Festival, um, for you non-comedians and you listeners who, who, um, don't really know about, you know, festivals or what they could do for a comedian's career. The Montreal Comedy Festival, although they're saying it's not as prestigious as it once was, it still can really immensely help a comedian's career through, you know, TV exposure and, you know, just having people from networks look at you. Um, 
1992, Kevin James went to the Montreal Comedy Festival and he got on King. Of, he got King of Queens because of it. Uh, they're not really giving out sitcoms now, but it just can really help you. So I had my audition. Uh, I talked about last year not taking it as seriously just because I was doing well and I didn't really like sit and write something specifically. Okay, I'm doing this and practiced it a million times, which I should have. You know, shame on me. I also there was also a lot of things up against me last year that I'm not even going to get into because I don't like to use excuses for anything. But, um, so basically I come back home and I did a show at Stand Up New York the night before my audition and I worked a lot of, uh, my material that I was going to do on the audition. I worked it and it went well, place wasn't packed, but it went well. So now it comes down to the night of the audition and the place is packed and there's agents, uh, agents from APA are there, all the, all the judges and the people in charge of the Montreal Comedy Festival are there. My representation is there. Comedy club is packed. Comedians walking around, pacing around. Uh, Keith Robinson, really hilarious comedian. He hosted. Um, and, you know, so I'm just waiting for my turn to go. And uh, there's a lineup. There was uh, two shows. I was on the first show, 10 comedians, uh, all doing six minutes. And um, I'm very happy and very proud to say that I I did everything that I could ever imagine and dream of doing in an audition for Montreal, I did. And I feel as though, if I can be 100% honest from my heart right now, telling my listeners, telling my fans, telling my supporters and people who truly root for me um, and enjoy what I do and, and believe in what I'm doing... I could honestly say that I put the Montreal Comedy Festival in a in a very awkward position um, if, let's say, they didn't choose me. And I really feel like that. Um, and it's a great thing to do that when any time you audition. Um, you know, last year when I auditioned, I auditioned and I went first. And there were a lot of things up against me. And like I said, and, and it didn't come off the way I wanted to come off. Uh, this time I was prepared. I wrote it. I did it. I said it to myself a million times, which I haven't really done in a long time. It kind of felt cool to go back to the earlier days where you just have to nail this thing and you just, you know, but I didn't want it to sound too scripted and I wanted to have fun with it and be real with it, which I allowed myself to do. Um, and I went forth and, uh, I really feel, and many people feel as though, uh, not only did I have a great set, I might've actually had this, the, the, the set of the showcase, you know, as far as audience reaction. But what really meant a lot to me was some people that I really respect, including industry came up to me and said, Hey man, that was awesome. And I, and I loved it. And, and it was really funny and I, it was nice to see. So it was just one of those things where, and I genuinely was having fun on stage with it. You know, I was genuinely, now listen, I don't know if I'm going to get show, you know, picked, you know, who knows what they're looking for. But one thing that I know, you know, is I could sleep. I could sleep knowing that everything that you could ever want to do in that audition, I did. So it's in their hands now. Um, and, and I'm really, really, you know, happy about that. I, I feel as though, um, I put everything that I, I ever wanted to do in that audition, I did it. And everybody who saw it, and all the people who saw it last year, the way I didn't want them to see it, um, you know, really got to see me do what, I, what I'm really capable of. And that always feels good, you know. It's almost like when you do something and somebody sees it and there's a part of you that thinks, man, these people didn't really see what I'm truly capable of. I rectified that, and, and I did it in a big way. 
And um, I'm happy to announce that on my podcast. I'm happy to announce that to the people that listen to this show. And, and you know, it was fucking awesome, dude. Like, I walked all, like, I, seriously. It was one of those sets where I was like, dude, I got I, I got a fucking chubby right now. That's This is this, this, this is shit. Um, and it was nice, man. The, the host, Keith, was like, dude, that was damn good stuff. And, you know, my manager was there and really happy. And, and, and I'm, I'm very happy and proud of that. So that was a really big thing that went down. And, you know, now we just wait and see. But like I said, man, whether they pick me or not, I really appreciate the opportunity they took to look at me. Um, I appreciate all the kind words and compliments from everybody. It's extremely humbling and, uh, I feel great about it. And that's all you could ever ask for. I feel like as corny and cliche as the shit sounds. And like I always say, man, when corny and cliche shit comes out, then that means it's real and it's important. But, um, you know, I, I did everything that I could ever want to do in that situation. And, uh, when you put in the hard work and you put it out there, you know, I put a post on my Facebook that said, uh, One of my favorite quotes ever is the quote by John Wooden that says, a failure to prepare is preparing to fail. And I can promise you I was never more prepared for something. And, uh, you know, that's the way you got to take it. Even if it's five minutes, you got to treat those five minutes as if you're doing Carnegie Hall. You know, and I did that. And that's that was the difference. And uh, I would urge everybody out there. You know, if you're going to do something and you really want something, man, in your heart to get you got to fucking do it, man. You got to do it hard. You got to you got to work hard and you got to make it, you know, the end all be all to you because those are the people that move and those are the people that go and the people that just don't, you know, they don't. So anyway, I don't want to sound like a preachy dickhead. Um, couldn't have done better on my Montreal Comedy Festival audition. We'll see what happens and uh, really humbled and thankful about it. Um, in the last podcast, which didn't air because I'm an idiot. I talked about getting ready for that audition. So now I just told you guys what happened. Uh, Oh, okay. Another thing that I want to talk about here on the podcast was uh, a Facebook posting that I told you guys on the last podcast I was going to do about these political political signs and these one-sided fucking biased views that people have about politics that they post up on Facebook and act as if it's a fact. You know, from an anti-democratic or an anti-republican group saying that, oh, all the Republicans are, are, are at fault for this and all the Democrats are at fault for this and the country sucks because of one group. And I, sp- I, you know, actually said, you know, that's the dumbest fucking thing. Shame on you. You're part of the fucking problem. And I said, if you put your stupid one-sided bias signs on a social media outlet and you act like it's one person's fault, shame on you. You're part of the problem. You're the reason why the country is divided and you're a fucking idiot. And I really, really believe that. And uh, I got some people, well, isn't that bias? Some people came back at me. Well, isn't what you're saying bias? And, And it's like, no, how is that fucking bias? Okay, I didn't choose any sides. I didn't say, well, these people are right and these people are wrong. I specifically said if you are posting something up that is one sided and has a biased view that is not factual and you're acting as though it is factual, you are a fucking idiot. That is not an opinion and that is not biased. That is a fact. Okay, if I say to you, I don't like President Obama. I just don't like him. I don't think he's a good president. That's fine. That's my opinion. But if I start posting facts about the president that are not real, 
Shame on fucking me. And if people like want to choose sides and do that. So it just turned into this whole thing. It was like 45 something comments on Facebook. I appreciate everybody out there that really, uh, you know, agreed with me. And I, I noticed from that posting that I have about 90%, 95% smart fans and supporters and friends on Facebook. And I really do appreciate that. Oh, by the way, while I'm at it, uh, you can, uh, I have a fan page now, which I didn't really take seriously because I, you know, I have, um, you know, I'm just going, I have a, I'm on my personal Facebook more than I am, you know, I don't take myself that seriously and shit with the whole fan page, but, uh, you know what, if you want to just go and like it, uh, it always has up to date things of where I'm going to be and stuff. So you could check that out. Um, it's just, you know, Paul Verzi, it's another picture, not the one that I have, uh, now and it's my fan page so like it and uh, I'll post it again for people to like but anyway you know yeah these people just you know can't don't don't have anything better to do because it's election time and they all get shitted up because god forbid yeah because they know things suck right now and they know people are probably going to blame this president for it or you know so they're all fucking shitted up and nervous because they got nothing better to do but sit in front of there with their stupid fucking uneducated biased views and they're going to get all fucking nervous and post something like anti-republican because they're scared and then you know what's going to happen when there's a republican president and things aren't going well the opposite side fucking does it it's so stupid and, and, and I'm not going to sit there and take it. And you know what? If one person can listen to what the fuck I'm saying and go, ah, you know what? They, actually, that makes sense. You know, being one-sided kind of is silly and I'm not going to do that anymore. Maybe that's the reason why, you know, our country, you know, is so shitty right now because everything is cut in half because of these stupid one-side, one-sided things. And the, and the kicker of the whole thing is at the bottom of it, it'll say, yeah, this this... Advertisement was paid for by the anti. It actually said, I saw this sign, it was by the anti Republican group, and they're posting up all these facts about jobs or so called facts about jobs. It's like, go fuck yourself, man. Seriously. Fucking insulting. Don't insult my intelligence like that, you one sided dummy. Um, yeah, so anyway, a lot of people were. Um, just a lot of people were, were getting into it, and, and a lot of people were agreeing with what I was saying, but there was a couple of people, isn't this bias? And that totally let me know that those are the people that are fucking opinionated and that actually want to say something about everything, and they got nothing better to do. So shame on you, and uh, that's all I could say. Thank you for the people that understood what I was trying to say instead of trying to turn it around. How fucking arrogant and stupid is that to try to turn around somebody who's trying to say something that's that's not biased and that wants to kind of stop you know division of people and stop hatred which divides so much you know and and, and just go well that's being biased isn't that being biased you say it's like no it's not you know, and then there were some, some some smart comments. Some people were saying, hey, you know, people like to choose a side and they like to have a team to root for. I get all that and I understand that. But to post things that are just so anti one thing. It's like the same way these politicians are like, yeah, Governor so-and-so is fucking three mistresses. I mean, they're not going to say fucking on the thing, but you know what I'm saying. Like, you know, he had three mistresses while he was married. Is that the kind of character we need in office? And it, it's, you know, so I got I got really pissed off and I put, put something out there and a lot of people got mad at me. Uh, or some people got mad at me and some people understood, so... If you agreed with me, great. If you didn't, go fuck yourself and uh, I'm right and you're wrong. Just understand that and know that I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> you fucking 
hating bastards. Okay. Um, ladies and gentlemen, now it is time to talk about uh, the Super Bowl. My New York football giants winning their first, uh, fourth, fourth, I'm sorry, fourth world title. And, uh, wow, what is that? And second in, uh, second in what, four years, five years now? They won it in 07. They won it, uh, this year. They lost it in 2000. They won it in 90. And they won it in 86. Um, you know, Super Bowl had me on the edge of my seat. Um, I'm not going to lie, towards the very end of it, after it was over, when I was watching the pregame, the scotch that I was drinking started to kick in, and things got pretty ugly. I'll get into that, but what a game. I was scared up until the very end. The Patriots had a chance to win up until the very end. They had some big drops by their receivers. Um, You know, Giants, Pierre Paul knocked down some balls. Uh, Ahmad Bradshaw scored, which I was actually glad he scored, to be honest. I, because, like, you never know with a field goal. I mean, we probably would have kicked the field goal with, like, 18 seconds left. But I kind of like that we got the points and put the pressure on them just because I know that our defense was going to go at them 100 miles an hour. But I was still really scared. Even when that last Hail Mary came, I was scared. The pass that Eli Manning had to Mario Manningham was as big a throw and catch as you will ever see in football, ever. The fact that his feet stayed in there, the fact that Eli had the balls and the nerve to throw that shit in between two defenders like that was fucking epic. Awesome. I don't even know what else to say. Um, just it's so fucking big. And watching his feet and bounds, it kind of re- did remind me of the of the David Tyree catch. And you know something else? Somebody was like, today on the radio, I listened, somebody said, how about in 07 when Asante Samuel could have intercepted the ball and the Giants would have lost, he missed it. Kind of similar and, and kind of eerie to the, um, you know, to the, to the Welker drop in a pass, even though it wouldn't have been a score in the game. They would have been right there. And our field goal kicker kicks a field goal in the NFC Championship game, you know, on the road to go to the Super Bowl against the Patriots. A lot of parallels, a lot of history repeating itself, which makes you think the Giants were a team of destiny. But Eli Manning uh, answered the call. No big mistakes. Brady did make that mistake when he threw that interception to Blackburn, which was huge for us. Um, you know, I think the 9 nothing obviously helped when they got 10 back at halftime and it was 10-9. to I was like, holy shit, man, this is going to be scary. So I was scared the whole way through. I really was. But when we pulled it out, I was just, oh, it was great. And you know what? I was sipping, so I'm sipping scotch, right? Just sipping scotch. I invited uh, James Goff, comedian James Goff, really funny dude. He came over. And I don't want a lot of people over my house. I can't watch a game with a lot of people, especially when it's my team. I just can't. So what happened was uh, we're sitting there. It's my wife, my son. James on one couch, I'm on my recliner, and I'm just sipping my scotch, and everything is going good, and then after the game, I'm trying to watch the post game, and then I guess shit just, uh, shit just didn't go well, I start spinning, and apparently, and this is actually really scary, and this is going to make me really think twice about drinking scotch, because I felt like I was under control, I was, I was my wife even said, you weren't acting nuts, like I wasn't fucking throwing shit, I wasn't going nuts or anything, I just you know, was just having a good time, but then what happened was, I guess it all hit me, 
And during the post game, I think I was taking a little bigger swigs than I was during those little, you know, during the the game when I was taking those little sips. And I just start spinning, and I had to lay down. I had to lay down on the um, floor, and I'm kind of like punching and kicking the floor, and I'm just spinning. And all of a sudden, and I never puke. Uh, you got so for you people that know me, you know that, but I usually don't throw up. It takes a lot, and it just made my. I guess I just had to get whatever was out out. I mean, whatever was in there out. So I just run, and the only thing I could do was just get to my kitchen sink. Uh, luckily, it was clean, but I'm just puking and puking and just my guts out. It was the worst thing. Then all I remember was my wife waking me up, and I was I was on the couch. Um. But it was weird because I remember things right up until I started spinning. So I, I think the blackout phase, which really sucks because I don't do that. I don't have an alcohol problem. It's just this all just leveled me um, was because it just it just I guess it just caught up with me at, at one time. And then I got sick and I passed out. So maybe it was the course of sipping it. And who knows? Either way, felt like shit, puked my guts out. Um, I'm not going to lie though. didn't have that bad of a hangover because I think I got everything out. I even played basketball. My Monday night basketball uh, open gym, uh, men's open gym started up having great games. I went there hungover and shit. Uh, played well too. I actually hit my first three and then scored a layup. I scored the first three points of the game, uh, you know, <laughs> after a horrible morning. But what a game. And, uh, you know, note to self and to everybody out there, if you drink scotch, sip it and drink it normally. And just because you don't have other booze in the house doesn't mean you should just keep pouring glasses of scotch because I paid, I paid dearly for it. But was it all worth it? Probably because the Giants won. I mean, I don't know what else to say other than we beat the New England Patriots again in the Super Bowl. Uh, Eli Manning has two rings now. Our wide receivers, Knicks made big plays. Um, I was scared, too, because when Cruz fumbled that ball, and lucky they had 12 men on the field. But we had some bad penalties against us, too. So it was just one of those games back and forth. Somebody was going to win. Somebody was going to make a mistake. And lucky uh, we pulled it out in the end. Uh, As far as commercials, my favorite commercial was the dog losing weight when the dog couldn't get through the... (laughs) The dog couldn't get through the doggy door. So he's running and, and doing stuff, and then he got lean and did it. That was my, uh, I think that was my favorite one. There was a couple other ones, uh, but I liked the uh, I liked the dog one the best. Uh, halftime show, Madonna. You know, I don't think she sucked, but I don't think it was like it was just whatever. You know, I was more nervous that it was ten nine Patriots that I just was kind of like holy shit. Uh, and I discovered that there's a really good wings place by my house, a new place, and we ordered wings. And since it was Super Bowl Sunday, we ordered them kind of late, so we got the last batch of wings they had, and they were fucking awesome. Like, incredibly crispy on the outside, like, nice and chewy on the inside, just excellent wings. And even their mild was kind of hot, which I love. I would have gotten hot, the people with me didn't want hot, but the mild still had a kick, which are always awesome with wings, especially when you like them like I do. So, uh... My prediction on the last podcast was 29-21 Giants. And so you guys know that I'm not bullshit, and I actually posted that up on Facebook. I thought I just saw 29-21 Giants happen, so the Giants were the ones with 21 points, and they happened to win the game. 
But um, it, what, what can I say? I watched the parade on Tuesday. Um, and, and uh, you know, the parade, you know, I'm not one of those people, though. I can't, like, go down there and put a jersey on and start screaming from 6 o'clock in the morning about something that I already saw. <laughs> you know, I never, I like, I get that, you know, celebrate with the team, but it's almost like when you watch and you celebrate and you cheer and you jump around that night in the house, like, that's enough. To be like, all right, man, I gotta fuck, I gotta get down to the parade, and we, I just gotta yell for three hours in the morning. I'm gonna start drinking again, and it's like there's not even a game to be played. Like they, you know, um, so I think watching it on TV is pretty cool, but that's probably because I'm turning into a older, more responsible. Anybody who's like twenty something right now is probably like, what a pussy! You gotta go down there and keep the party going. Um, so yeah, that's uh. That was pretty much my Super Bowl experience. Very happy. A lot of scotch, which caught up with me, and uh, some good food. But we were laughing. We had a really good time. And um, we'll uh, we'll enjoy it now. I'm also, speaking of that, we're on sports. I don't know if you guys are watching my New York Knicks, but apparently there's an Asian kid. That's right, everybody. I said it. There is an Asian kid in the NBA who's not Yao Ming that is playing great. Now, it's only been a few games. I think he's the only Asian player in the NBA now because Yao Ming is retired. But his name is Jeremy Lin. He was the fourth string point guard on the Knickerbockers. They picked him up just for depth at the point guard position. He's an He was an undrafted player out of Harvard. Big shocker there. Asian point guard from Harvard. Um, and the kid just knows basketball. I could I can't even believe what I'm watching. He looks like Steve Nash. He knows how to pass. He knows how to run the offense. His first game, he comes in and he scores 25 points. Then the next game, he gets a start and he scores 28 points. Then last night, he plays in a game. He has 23 points, 10 assists, uh, like four rebounds. He looks great. He's young. He dunked the ball, and I was just I. It's been unbelievable, man. It's this guy and Carmelo Anthony and Amari Stoudemire have not even been playing. Amari Stoudemire lost his brother, which is just so god-awful. Oh, my God, man. That's just terrible, man. Lost his 35-year-old brother in a car accident, so he's not with the team. Um, in the first game, Jeremy Lin came in. Amari pulled his groin. And now, you know, this kid's just coming in here. So without the two big guys, and t- you could tell Tyson Chandler loves to play with him. So let's hope that the New York— Come on, Knicks fans. Let's hope that this kid can bring us— you know, to a respectable record, get us to the playoffs and see what happens. But it's amazing. And I was wrong. I have to I have to I have to say I was wrong about not needing a point guard to win. I don't think you need a great point guard to win a championship, but you need somebody that can run the offense properly and get everybody in the right position to do what they need to do. And it looks like early, it's early, but it looks like this dude can do that. I'm really excited about it. So um let's see what happens. But I mean Magic Johnson said that he hasn't seen the garden like that. The the announcers of the Knicks have said like nothing like this. When does this happen? Somebody out of Harvard who who was undrafted comes in and is just playing at such a high level like this. You know, 25, 28 and 23 points as a point guard and he's and he's making and he's playing unselfish and he's still doing it. Awesome. So I'm excited. I am fucking excited. Uh Lakers tomorrow night. And that's going to be awesome. Uh, what else did I want to talk about? I wanted to talk about a Oh, so listen. So next week, 
Okay, episode number 50, I have a special guest on my show. I've talked about him a few times, my neighbor Gus. My neighbor Gus is a conspiracy theorist. I don't know if that's the right word, but he's into conspiracy theories. He's into just, you know, he's one of these guys that he's really into, you know, he's, he'll just like email me about like the water supply. He'll fucking talk about, um, you know, I told you, he's the guy that like he'll look up in the sky and we'll look at the airplanes like line, you know, that line, that jet stream line some airplanes have where it looks like a rocket going up. And he's like, oh, you know, I'm like, oh, look at that. That's cool. And he's like, oh, yeah, they're spraying us with that shit again. And I'm just kind of like, uh, like, what do you even say to that? You know, like, you know, but um, he's he's a good dude. He's actually a very talented, um, he's a talented musician as well. And uh, so I'm gonna have him play a song. He's he's even he's he's got a um, he's got an album out uh, that he did independently. That's great. And uh, you know, he could play the guitar and shit. So there's gonna be some music on here. You're gonna hear some some conspiracy theories uh, next week. So. My conspiracy theory neighbor, Gus, will be on the show next week. Um, you know, he's one of these guys I bump into him. We have great conversations when I see him. Uh, we, you know, we live in the same complex and everything. We live right next to each other. So it's going to be fun. Uh, he's a comedy fan. He's a fan of the show. And he actually has something to say. So uh, he'll be he'll be on. And uh, I, have, I'm, I actually have a conspiracy theory myself. I want to actually talk to him about this. But... Um, I think, uh, all right, here's my, here's my thing, okay? Some people may say it's crazy, but I'm on this big thing that I think John F. Kennedy Jr., I think John F. Kennedy Jr. flying over Martha's Vineyard, inexperienced pilot at night and crashed into the water and died. I think it was a murder, and I'm starting to read some things about it. Uh, maybe I'm just fascinated with, with it. Uh, because his father was, but I'm also hearing things and I've read things that really are alarming and I'm going to talk about it next time. But that's the thing. That's a new thing I'm trying to read. So if any of you have any books about this, if any of you agree with that or think that that's a possibility or have heard things, please email me. Let me know. I want to talk about it on, on the next show. But that's my new uh, fascination is that John F. Kennedy Jr. was murdered because who knows? Because think about this for a second. Let's say he did decide to go into politics. I think he's got a good chance of winning. And if your father and uncle were killed the way his were and you had some some power, what are you going to do? You're going to try to delve into that. And I think maybe he was the last piece of the puzzle to get out of there. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm digging for something fun. But uh, that's my conspiracy theory. And that's what I'm going to be talking about um, next week. Uh, I will also be talking about a movie next week because I will be going to the movies tonight with uh, comedian Joe Matteris and my older brother Christian. So I will have something to talk about movie-wise next week. We'll review a movie. And uh, speaking of movies, I'm starting to think that Rotten Tomatoes is wrong as much as they are right. I used to think Rotten Tomatoes was a good critic site. I'm starting to think they're, they, they don't know their shit. Um, but let me know what you guys think. Okay, uh, plugs for the week. I got some cool, exciting stuff going on here. Um, let's see here. All right. Uh, this week I will be performing. Uh, Saturday night I will be performing in New Jersey at Brick Forty Six, which is I heard a nice little intimate, uh, nice little intimate setting. Uh, they've been doing comedy there for a while. I will be headlining that venue this Saturday, February eleventh. February twelfth I will be at the beautiful new 
Levity Live Comedy Club, which is at the Palisades Mall. This is one of the most beautiful comedy clubs I've ever seen. I shit you not, I'll be doing a showcase there, which means I'll probably just be doing like 15 minutes. But it's a beautiful club. It's it's in the Palisades Mall. It's a, it's a beautiful venue. Uh, then, folks, next week, and I'll talk about this uh, next week, but I'll just plug it now. Uh, if anybody's available, I will be going on a four show run with my buddy Bill Burr. It should be a unbelievable weekend. I will be opening for Bill at the Bergen Pack, like a 1500 theater in uh, Englewood, New Jersey on Thursday. On Friday, we will be at Foxwoods in Connecticut at the Fox Theater doing two shows. The first one was sold out, so they added another one. That's going to be at 8 and 10.30 or 8 and 11. You got to check the uh, box office for that. Um, I will be opening for him on that. And then I was just added to the uh, theater at Westbury, the music fair there, which is in the round. So I'm going to be standing in the round for the first time, which means I'm going to be on a round stage in the middle of us of people that are circular around the stage there's going to be 2500 people there uh which will actually be the second biggest venue I've done uh, as far as people uh second to Carnegie Hall so that's a big week next week so Bergen Pack with Bill Burr uh Foxwoods uh Fox Theater with Burr and then uh, I will open uh for him on Saturday at the uh theater at Westbury uh so Strong Island come out it's going to be a big weekend it's going to be a lot of fun and uh, we're going to do it big. And it should be an absolute fucking blast. I love working with that dude, man. He's, uh, like I said, Bill Burr is not only the best comedian in the country, but he's his, the fucking best dude. And, uh, you know, he's it's just awesome to work with him. We're going to have a good time. Try to sneak out and eat some good food and, and maybe go to a sporting event. We always have fun when we when we work together. So, so check that out. The website will be updated. This is episode number 49. Next week, uh, my neighbor uh, Gus will be on. Uh, so you'll listen to some conspiracy theories, some some music, and it'll be a good time. So the Verzi effect is uh, back in full effect. Sorry about last week. And uh, I actually have to go and get my son at daycare now. Uh, love you guys, man. Thanks for the support. I'll keep you updated on uh, everything that's going on. Um, so until then, peace.